Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Milwaukee. Start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR. IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, it's Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. I am not Steve Zaki, but I do have him on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline as we speak right now here on the, on the Final Inspection Show brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway and Union Grove as well as David Hobbs Honda. Steve is live from Indianapolis. How hot is it down there, Steve? Uh, it's pushing 90 down here. It's uh, it's getting to be summer. Well, actually, it's been summer pretty much all the month of May in Indianapolis. It's been pretty nice actually coming down here last couple weekends because as the weather has kind of sucked to be honest in wisconsin uh, it's been fantastic down here in fact they broke a record for a number of times in a row in may that it was above 80 degrees and uh they should be the warmest may they've they've had i think the the average temperature is going to be right around 78 or whatever it was so which that's pretty stout for uh Indianapolis and Maine. Yeah, no question. It seems to be a, a topic all week long. And how how does that affect racers? Do you think just the heat? Well, it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, as Tony Kanan mentioned in the first hour, yep. uh, it, 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 it it's going to be a slick track, and with the cars the way they're handling in that, there's some some of the guys are worried about you know getting up on drivers and and, and how the cars are actually going to handle in traffic, and and, and the. the the second thing that's kind of concerning is also with, with the track temperatures and that it's going to be a fast, slick track. But also with Indianapolis, it's the one track on the circuit, whether it's IndyCar or NASCAR, that probably changes the most during the race. And he said, you know, Tony thought it was really important for those teams, especially the experienced teams and drivers, to know exactly how to not only adjust the race to be comfortable in the first part or the second you know, part of the race, but especially very, very important for that final third of the race when the guys really start pushing you know, to make sure the cars are optimal for the end. Speaking of final third and maybe final race ever, Danica Patrick, this is supposed to be her, her final race ever. She's, she started in IndyCar, right? She certainly did, and uh, her rookie year here was in, in 2005, one of her better races, of course. She led towards the end. Unfortunately, because of fuel issues and that, and then, well, I should say fuel strategy, she had to take a, make a late pit stop, and Dan Weldon won the race, and she finished fourth. But the following week, Sports Illustrated actually put her on the cover, and there was some kind of teasing in that of, of Weldon when he came up to, to Milwaukee the following weekend. And in fact, uh, he actually had T-shirts made up. I actually won the Indianapolis 500. But lover or hater, she'd certainly raised, raised the profile of IndyCar. And uh, this... 
this uh, this weekend, of course, is her final race, and you know it's it, she's been quick. You know, she actually made it into the final nine for qualifying, and and she's starting in the top ten, and it'll be interesting to see you know what she's able to do tomorrow. Do you like like her to win the race? I mean, who do you? Uh, she, she she could be a player in the race, you know, especially a fuel strategy. You know, it is played, and there's long yellow, you know, caution free laps. She does. There's no reason why she shouldn't. You know, a lot of a lot of the railbirds and, and and people that have been here for a while has been actually kind of surprised at how quickly she came back. This is a totally different car. She she drove the last time she was here, and you know, it's it's for some for some drivers, it's hard going from a heavy stock car to an indie car or vice versa and that, but she doesn't show any real ill effects. And, uh, you know, you got to give her props for that. You know, she gets a lot of criticism and like I said, love her or hate her, but she's actually had a very good month considering, but she's also with by one of the best teams. I mean, Ed Carpenter racing, of course, is on the pole with Ed Carpenter, but with the, uh, you know, they had three of the top nine, you know, three of the top nine cars, were from Ed Carpenter Racing with their other driver, uh, you know, Spencer Piggott. So, you know, there's there's no excuses for her, that's for sure. Yeah, and speaking of raising Danica Patrick's profile, I think uh, the, I guess, her and Aaron Rodgers dating, and it's in the public (laughs) eye. Uh, Our Mike Clemens, WSSP's Mike Clemens, obviously is up in Green Bay. He basically sleeps in there in their locker room and covers that team like a blanket. And uh, he asked Aaron Rodgers if he's going to be up at the race. Let's let, let's listen into what Aaron had to say. I've been in Indianapolis before, yeah. <laughs> Combine and steak and shake, 2 a.m. Yeah, Daytona was was fun. It was interesting. Uh, different open with open wheel racing. Um, not quite as much bumping. You know, watched the qualifying. She qualified seventh, which is great in her last race, and uh, hopefully. You know, she's able to make it all the way around. She's had a lot of success at uh, Indy over the years, I think six top tens. So I'm just uh, hanging out, enjoying it. Uh, I don't know. I like being on the pit for a little bit. I was on the pit for a little bit at Daytona. That's interesting to watch the pit stops. And, um, you know, you kind of see the cars here, then you wait a little bit, then you hear them coming around, and you see them again. <laughs> you wait a little bit, and you see them again. <laughs> That's kind of how it goes. But. Uh, no, it's a little nerve-wracking going 230 miles an hour. Um, yeah, just hope she's safe and uh, finishes high. There he is, QB1. It sounds like he will be in attendance, of course, uh, for tomorrow's race, and that, that, that's that got to be a little extra motivation for Danica as well. I think so, and, uh, you know, there's always a lot of people, you know, kind of a who's who when you come down to Indianapolis. Of course, you know, I mean, having a Hall of Famer like Robin Young stop by your, you know, table. and Yeah, how'd that go, by the way? Very good. You know, and, and, you know, class act. Yeah, know? Well, for I mean, sure. Yeah, just one of the nice guys. And, you know, we, we the only time we mentioned baseball was uh, we had a photo of David uh, in 1974 on the table, and I showed it to him. I said, look at this, David with a mustache. And I was seeing 74, I don't think you had a mustache. He goes, yeah, that was my rookie year. I didn't have a mustache. So, and uh, Who was know, this? With, with Robin Young. Robin Young when he was a rookie. Oh, okay. Year. 74 did not have a mustache so and you know david did have a uh david hobbs did have a mustache okay right of course so. and uh but no super super nice guy and they they talked racing uh many might not know this but uh robin yellow is actually a co-owner of a toyota atlantic team 
which would you would be like uh, a double A open wheel team. Uh, it's part of the feeder series. It's still expensive though, as as Rob Robin said, and he owned that team until 2001, and kind of confessed to me was that was one of the reasons why he went back into coaching was to kind of offset the cost of the race team and the, and the cost uh, that it costed them for a couple of years. Yeah, no, no question. Get, getting back to Danica though. A uh, little, little extra motivation, I think, with Aaron Rodgers there, and I—he doesn't seem to be the biggest uh, racing fan, but no. <laughs> he, I, I, but he always enjoys a good time. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of—I mean, the the drivers are getting pulled and pushed in every direction this week. Oh, I'm sure this is this is the busiest week or month for them, and they're they're they're, they're they are going to sponsor dinner after sponsor. It's not unusual for them. Uh, especially the weekend of the race for them to go to up to three, four dinners in one evening and just, you know, spending time with sponsors, talking to people, manufacturers, sponsors and whatnot, and, and just, you know, pressing the flesh and posing for photos. Yeah, and just, and just probably getting very little sleep too. No, no question. Right. Certainly as we get very close to race, obviously tomorrow at 11 a.m. down there, 11 a.m. Eastern. Yep. 11 a.m. Eastern and, uh, Kelly Clarkson, of course, will be uh, performing the national anthem, and Chris Hemsworth, as many known as Thor, and also as James Hunt in the Ron Howard movie, he's actually going to be waving the uh, green flag as honorary starter. What? Okay, that that's obviously pretty cool. Obviously, again, like you said, a who's who. There's a ton of people. You know, it's kind of the the well, eye of the sporting world this weekend. Victor Olapito is going to be down here. Oladipo, and, yeah, uh, yeah, and then. Uh, Ben Higgins from The Bachelor. I'm sorry, I don't know who that is. Nope, I me neither. This next fellow, Ari Leinbeck Jr., who was The Bachelor, he's been down here, and uh, he's all the girls have been swooning over him, and, of course, Adam Carolla, uh, who did the Willie T. Ribs, which we'll, we'll run into uh, this evening. Yeah. What time do, I mean, do, do racers even sleep tonight, do you think? Well, they try to. They, 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 you know, they, they won't book anything past, you know, Eight nine o'clock, but it's tougher than to sleep. They'll they'll they'll, they'll try and sleep, but you know, race night before the Indy 500 is is pretty tough. And just same thing for the NASCAR guys with the Daytona 500. It's you know, and I'm sure with it, it it's with any sport. Your biggest events when the most people watching. There's a lot of pressure on these drivers, athletes, and it's you know, they're 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 gonna try and they'll do their best we'll have to see what happens well i'm just trying to think you're talking about all the all the directions they're getting pulled in and then with an 11 a.m yeah. start time tomorrow i mean those guys are probably i mean they're out the door at probably four or five in the morning yep because in fact uh with the security measures and that that are here a lot of the teams and drivers and whatnot are going to try and get here before 6 a.m wow that's that, that's early that's early and, 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 I'll, be, and the, I'll, I'll be getting up early but nah I won't be getting here at 6 a.m., but <laughs> not, not, maybe eight time, get a cup of coffee and get you down there. Uh, I'll probably I'll probably be inside the track by seven, which is the earliest of the year for me. Oh wow, there you go, get get a cup of coffee, and I'm sure the racers obviously they get there early, and then it's just all they have they have five hours to think about what what's you know the the biggest race of their life. It's incredible that hour before the race, so how quickly it goes with all the you know pomp and pageantry that goes on. That that the last hour before the race. It seems like it's 15 minutes. I mean, it is just between all the the pace car rides with the former winners, and 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 the VIPs, you know, coming around and everything. And it is just 
crazy craziness. And then the national anthem, they do the flyby, and next thing you know, the drivers are in their cars and they're starting to go. They're starting to go by the pace, you know, the pace lap. So. Yeah, sounds like a blast, Steve. I know I will get down there at some point in my life. I've, I, I think I'll make it a bucket list item. And uh, I'm gonna have to get down there, and you know, I don't know. Maybe I'll reach out to you, obviously, to get uh, to get a ride. Love, yeah, I love to take guys uh, down here. They they just can't, un- they just can't believe, you know, what what type of event this is until you you know witness it yourself. Yeah, and I guess the best we can do is try to paint the picture here on the final inspection show. Steve, thanks for a couple of minutes, and uh, we'll obviously continue to, to continue navigating the ship here for you. All right, thanks, Mitch. Appreciate you coming on, and uh, yeah. It's- it's it's uh, pinch hitting, and you're doing a great job. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you, Steve. There he is, Steve Zaki, live from the Indi- Indianapolis 500. Obviously, nothing says Memorial Day weekend like the Indianapolis 500. He's down there uh, covering everything and uh, every angle. And as he said, it just sounds like a just a madhouse down there. So uh, I, I would like to get down there personally as a sports fan. It's a bucket list item, no question about it. Mayor Mitch Ross here getting you guys set for the Indiana- Indianapolis 500. Again, 11 a.m. start time tomorrow morning. Check that one out. Uh, Steve Zaki joined us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. If you're looking for a simple and convenient pre-approval process for your new home, construction, or renovation loan, call Great Midwest Bank, committed to providing uniquely tailored common-sense mortgage products since 1935. More of the final inspection show coming up next, brought to you by David Hobbs Honda in Glendale, as well as Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. More next on The Fan. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. The Mayor Mitch Ross here in for Steve Zaki. Steve is down at the Indianapolis 500 here on this Memorial Day weekend. A hot one, both here and in Indy. Race time tomorrow, 11 a.m. Again, Steve's down there covering it like a blanket, getting you everything you need to know. We'll check in now with him again. He caught up with Wally Wally Dallenbach, former IndyCar driver and chief steward of championship auto racing teams. He discusses his new book that was written by himself as well as Gordon Kirby. And let's hear Steve's conversation. This is Steve Zotke with the final inspection show brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs. And I'm in Indianapolis at the Indianapolis Motor Museum sitting down with Wally Dellenbach, who has a new book out, uh, Wally and Gordon Kirby, the steward of the sport. Wally, thanks so much for taking time out and speaking with us. Uh, tell us a bit about the book. Well, it's thanks to um, a few people like Gordon and uh, his partner, uh, they thought of uh, writing a book about my, you know, past history as a driver and a, an official. And as it turned out, we all got kind of interested and involved in it. And, uh, after three years, we put it together, and we're pretty proud of it. Uh, we think we got everything not only accounted for, but done right. And uh, the first I saw the book was three days ago, and I said I couldn't be happier. 
And Wally, of course, we're uh, we're based out of Milwaukee, and you, you raced at Milwaukee quite a few times, and you had some success there in 1973. Tell tell the fans about your first win at Milwaukee in '73 with Patrick Racing. Well, yeah, you know, it's uh, Milwaukee was always my favorite track because it's a flat mile, and I think it's a driver's track, and. Uh, you know, it's like every other car or racetrack, when you get it all put together, you just go fast forward. And we went there and we uh, felt real good about the car, had good balance. And when I qualified the car, I came in, I was shaking my head. I said, that wasn't very fast. You know, and there, I looked up in the bleachers and they're all shaking their hands, waving their flag, clapping their hands. I said, I don't believe this, you know. I didn't spin or anything, so. so anyway, I heard that I had fast time, and it was a pretty proud moment for me because it was my first pole. And then, most of all, I broke the track record, which lasted a while, and then went on to win the race. And then from there, you know, I went and uh, did the uh, California 100 and 500, which made it three in a row. And then the final race of the year, uh, I finished second to Gordy, my teammate, at Phoenix. So we had a, it was almost four in a row, but uh, Gordy was getting a little grouchy at me winning three races in a row. But that, that was a great weekend for me, and it was, a, it was something I won't forget. You had a, 75 was a really good year for you in Indianapolis, and I guess you could say it was the one that got away, didn't it? Yeah, I let it, you know, it was funny, I um, let it for 102 laps, I think. Uh, I had to start the second day because uh, the first day of qualifying, we went through two engines, uh, and it was, as it turned out, we went through the day without figuring it out. It turned out to be a block uh, oil cooler, and uh, long story short, we finally figured it out on the third day, or the second day, on the third car, our third attempt, uh, you know, I, I went fast, real fast, but I had to start 21st, because it was second day, and in, in 50 miles, when I put the green flag down, I was in the lead, and never gave up the lead until the Tom Sneva accident in turn two, and we had to go off in the grass for a while, and I, believe it or not, I picked up a nail in my left rear tire, and when they got the accident cleaned up and everything, the car was evil because the tire was half flat, and I asked George on the radio, I said, do you want me to come in? He said, well, can you stick it out to the next pit stop? And I didn't even have time to answer. And uh, burned a piston, went down to three cylinders. And the reason for that is because I had to run part throttle through the turns because of the half-flat tire. And we didn't have the fuel metering figured out then. He either had to run flat out or near flat out. So long story short, 
you know, uh, I came in a pits, got out of the car, and I was interviewed there. I think it was seven laps later it rained, and I think Bobby won it. Uh, but uh, the same thing happened at Pocono. Uh, 191 laps. Uh, you know, I turned out to... Uh, they were walking to the victory lane. And uh, they uh, burned a piston again. So if I had to finish those two, I'd have had all three of them. But uh, that's how it went. Talking with legendary IndyCar driver and later official Wally Daumbach. And then uh, you retired after the 1979 season, became uh, the chief steward. Uh, you were very highly respected by the drivers. Uh, was there ever, ever a situation where you kind of had to sit down and counsel a driver, he's getting out of hand, or what was a, was there a certain situation that you remember that comes up that kind of, that, that you can let, that you, you and the driver can laugh about it now? Oh, there was a lot of them, but uh, of course, over the years, they got to realize that, uh, you know, I wasn't biased, I was fair, and the long and short of it was, they didn't like it because it was on it, and, you know, I don't think there was any driver that I didn't get in the crosshairs at one time. To tell a story, I'd be here all night. <laughs> And then uh, you came up, I believe you drove a roadster, it was a Ken Bren roadster at the Trenton and uh, I think maybe Milwaukee, uh, and then you drove the rear engine cars, and then next thing you know you're going 200 plus down the straightaways over that with the, the cars of the 70s with the big wings. How was that transition going from uh, you know the cars that you came from to the, the cars of the 70s? Basically from running rear engine front front engine to rear engine. I built a rear engine dragster in 1958 and I campaigned that thing for two years and that helped me tremendously because from the minute the flag went down or the lights, whatever, you know, it was totally out of control. And I was able to learn how to correct a rear engine feel that was sliding all over the racetrack. So the long and short of it, that helped me a lot. And I attribute that to when I got in my first rear engine car, which happened to be Japan, Fuji Japan. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, I, I ran well with the car, and of course I lost the piston there too. <laughs> And uh, how, how does somebody from New was it New Brunswick, New Jersey? You came from uh, in East Brunswick. Uh, how did you end up in Colorado? Well, I went to high school out there, and that's another story. It's in a book, and uh, the long and short of it is that uh, I went out there. I loved the mountains. I went to see my brother get married. He's two, ten years older than me, and I got to stay with him and go to high school there. And you know, I was always up in the mountains on a motorcycle or on skis and everything else, and I said, this is for me. Excellent. Well, Wally, we certainly appreciate you spending time with us. I know a lot of the longtime fans in uh, Milwaukee certainly remember you running out there, and uh, thanks for taking time with us. Thank you, and I still love Milwaukee. And uh, how can we get the book? 
Is it going to be on Amazon? Uh, yep, thank you. Uh, go to racemaker.com. Racemaker.com. And this is Gordon Kirby, the author. Gordon, yeah, t tell us quickly about the book, the Dallenbach book. Well, it's been, this is my 15th book, and it's been a great pleasure to work uh, with Wally. He's such a good-hearted man, and I really believe, and I think the book demonstrates it clearly, he's the best chief steward in the history of automobile racing. He brought so much to the sport. His complete natural understanding of the sport as a race car driver, as a mechanic, and a car builder, and the tremendous work he did uh, with building the kart safety team, setting the standard for the sport, uh, as everybody says, uh, that stand to this day. So I think his legacy is much bigger than even Wally recognizes and uh, again he's such a good and a good-hearted man uh, it's been a real pleasure to uh, work with him and do this book and I don't I don't think Gordon Gordon and I are, are blowing smoke here but I, I, I never heard a bad word about you Wally and like I said the fans of Milwaukee loved you and we certainly appreciate everything you did well thank you so much and uh, we just hope to make some you know, uh, headway for safety and the betterment of the sport as long as we can. So. And Gordon, how, how can the fans get the book again? Uh, go to, it's published by Racemaker Press in Boston. Go to their website, racemaker.com, and order it up. It's uh, a bargain at $60. Very good. Thank you so much, guys. Gordon Kirby and Wally Dallenbach with the new book, Wally Dallenbach, Steward of the Sport. Uh, a lot. And I did, Joe Freeman, who's the publisher, has one of the largest photo archives in the world. And just, just being able to page through it is fascinating photos. It looks like a great book, guys. Thank you. Thank you. All of us. There he is, Steve Zodke with Wally Dombach and Gordon, Cor Gordon Kirby down there at the Indy 500 this week. The race, of course, tomorrow, 11 a.m. We're getting you set for that. The Mayor Mitch Ross, Steve, is down there again at the Indy 500 talking to everybody, building relationships, if you will, down there at the Indy 500, a hot one, much like it is here. Uh, very warm as well, so we'll see how that affects the race tomorrow. More of the final inspection show coming up next, brought to you by David Hobbs Honda and Glendale, as well as the Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove, Wisconsin. More coming up next on the Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Yeah, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with David Hobbs Honda. And I'm at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum, and it's a pleasure to chat with Carl Kienhofer, who was basically the first guy Roger Penske hired when he started Team Penske back in 1966. And um, you were we were chatting yesterday, Carl, and you mentioned... Uh, when he hired you, when in 1966, and you went bought a Lola, was didn't, didn't you? Well, yeah. uh, <clears throat> I got together with Roger again in at the saving uh, 12 hours in mm -hmm. March '66, and we teamed up again because uh, you know I worked for Roger before on his own cars for from '59 through '62, mm -hmm. and uh, anyway, so we've been together ever since and we've been friends ever since 59 and uh, so he wanted me to come back work with him uh, 
to build the rest team. So we started with, uh, with sponsorship money from Sanoel, Sanoka, mm -hmm. and uh, nothing else. No car, no, 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 no place to work, no driver. So we, 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 we went to Texas, looked at that Lola T70, got it, got it to Newton Square, Pennsylvania, and uh, in a little one-car garage, and that's where Penske Racing started. And then um, we're looking at a lot of marvelous cars in here, and the first win for Team Penske came in 1972 with the first driver, Mark Donahue. Tell us a little bit about that first win. Well, uh, it was uh, we were, we went to Indianapolis with a three uh, goal, so to speak. That we really tried to win it in the first three years. And you, you almost know, won it the year. Well, we prior. almost won it in '71, yeah. and uh, we did quite well in '69 without that Magneto failure in the first race. We were in the '69. We probably could have been a lot better that year too. In 1970, we finished second. You know, behind Alonso, mm -hmm. and uh, and the third year we were by lap 66, we were almost a lap ahead. Né? So we and lost that fourth top gear, and uh, that was the end of that. And uh, so, so we, then we, you know, we, we were shooting from race to race. Let's say mm -hmm. we we were. We were not we were racists. We didn't, you know we weren't celebrators or whatever. We right. were we were so we were, we we did a race and looking to the next one. That was always our, our goal, net and try to be, prepare as good as possible. And um, that's how that's how Roger now has 16. Right. Andy wins, net. So and we're standing here. That was the first one, but. We're standing here amongst the Unser display, and they have all the, the cars that have won with uh, Bobby Unser, Al Unser, and Al Unser Jr., and, and how many of these cars have you actually worked on? Well, I built the, I built the engines for all those cars. Okay. So, you know... The, so the Al Unser, the 87 car? I was a, a car, that was a car, yeah, built that one, and the 81 car. Bobby, Uncle Bobby. Yeah. And, and then, uh, of course, the 94 the, uh, Mercedes, yeah. Yes. So, you know, three different types of engines, you know. See, and that, off, yeah, that, you that, got that, the was, that was the last Cosworth. Okay. And, uh, and then the Ilmore Mercedes. And then, uh, and then also and then the other room with Mark Donahue with the Offenhauser. That was an Offenhauser, but yeah. the Offenhauser was built by Traco Engineering. Okay. So that's the only engine I didn't do. Okay. So, I, but I did the car, and so I was, I was assembling the car. Let's say, let's say that way. Uh, so I, my, my work with uh, in Indianapolis with uh, with the cars ended in '74. When we were working on the car with uh, Mike Hiss, mm -hmm. you know, and then in seven, after '74, we went we went Formula One. So I built the next form, the next series of cars, and the PC1. The PC1, yeah. From there on, yeah. And then, um, what was the most? Uh, if you could pick one day at Penske Racing that you really remember. Which one, which one is it? Is there a win that particular win that sticks out? i tell you right now, one of the most uh, 
memorable things when I, I'm looking back. I can, well, there was many of them, but uh, 94, for instance, um, the success we had, uh, well, we, we didn't fail in 94. We, could have, we should have done better in 94 than we did, as we did. We won the race. But the races after that, mm-hmm. with, the, with the Ilmo engine, yeah, those uh, five times, one, two, three, that year, and the one, two, three in a championship. Including Milwaukee. Well, well that's why. See, the Milwaukee was it. And that actually was very memorable. Actually, well, when we finished the race, the race wasn't even finished in 94. I had to leave the racetrack, fly back home to get the motor finished for Milwaukee. Oh, really? And... Uh, and then finishing one, two, three in Milwaukee after Indy, that was one of my most memorable accomplishments. And yeah. you know, in in uh, 50 years, I was in motorsport. I mean, there was many, but this right. was this I, I can never forget because I was home. Uh, I think it was on a radio in those days. I'm not even sure was it a TV or not. Uh, Actually, it got me to the point where I cried. Mm-hmm. I, was, it was, I was so happy to be able to accomplish that. We're speaking with Carl Kainhofer, who worked with uh, Team Penske and Roger Penske for many years, starting at the beginning of it. And uh, Carl, is uh, you, you had a very memorable going-away party, didn't you? <laughs> With Team Penske. Well, uh, I guess so who's who? It, it was the one and only going away party, I think. It was absolute who's who in racing, wasn't it? Showed up for that yes. event. Yes. Is there anybody that showed up to that that you were, you couldn't believe actually showed up for that, or well, something that really surprised well, you? I mean, it was a big surprise was Chris Economaki mm-hmm. because uh, he, he there was no rider or anybody invited, so to speak, and he found out and he had to come. And I was that was a big surprise too. I knew the, some of the other people coming and all that, you know, they, because we, they, they were invited. He was not invited, but he really wanted to, <laughs> he really wanted to be there. So, so that's very memorable in a lot of ways. That he, he 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 showed up, surprised so to speak. Growing up, uh, I was a big Mark Donahue fan. How how important was Mark to Team Penske? Well, uh, how important. He's in See, one, he, he, was, was he was not really just a race driver, let's mm-hmm. say that way. And the modern race drivers, they, they're a different breed, which is understood. You know, it's, it's more of a business now than it used to be. You know? And uh, Mark started with, I'm not even sure, but I mean, I, I started with Roger, made the... Ten thousand dollars a year. Let's say that was my that was my handshake, mm-hmm. and uh, and Mark, uh, I've, I don't know exactly, but um, I, he didn't get paid like right. like some people would think, you know, and uh, but it was fair, so to speak. I mean, this was it. That was in the days of of the sixties, and that, and uh, so. But he was an outstanding individual, I mean, exceptional individual in a lot of ways. We became very good friends, and, uh, and you know, I lost one of my best friends ever, 
when I had to say good, you know, goodbye to him. Yeah. Right? And, and I was the last one saw my life. Yeah, it was yeah. A, certainly a sad day. Yeah, so, you know, and uh, so those 10 seasons, 10 years, you know, were, were rewarding in a lot of ways because of Mark. Right? And um, well, he, he was there with you every minute, so to speak. Right? We traveled together, we slept together, we, we, we did everything together, no? and it didn't matter where we were, no? anywhere in the world, you know, because uh, we did a lot of stuff, no? to, you know, any, t any kind of racing, so to speak. Mm -hmm. no? And uh, no, he was a very valuable individual, but, and Roger understands that, and, uh, and uh, you know, history shows it, no? I mean, how valuable he was. Now, he was. Uh, he was outstanding, and uh, you know, I got to know him. Uh, I got to know, really got to know. I heard of him, mm -hmm. but I never got to know him until we almost had the first car built. See, he came in as a was well, the Roger myself, and he was the third guy coming into the the team. That's so that sort of was a one-two-three mm -hmm. team in those days because we didn't have even a second mechanic. You know, he did everything. Well, I was the mechanic, yeah. and he was the driver, and Roger was the owner. That was that was the team, and uh, and I always had a help on it, like as little Al Anza, another mm -hmm. Anza. I'm sorry, Al Hobart. Al Hobart. Okay. He was my first helper. Okay. And uh, before I got a mechanic help, I was I was not on the end of the '66 season. When I felt I got somebody who actually was a mechanic, so to speak, I was a German guy. I used to work, work for uh, the California guy. Uh, oh, I can't think of his name right now. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he yeah. we, German guy Peter Reinhardt was his name. He was actually my the first helper, okay. which were, actually was a mechanic. You know, worked on race cars and. Uh, and then uh, next year, he was there with me too. And then I guess in 67, uh, the next uh, was Al Hobart, Peter Reinhardt. So Al Hobart grew up into a, you know, into a little more than a, just a helper. Yeah. He, was, he was only 19 years old. And, um, and Roger Bailey was uh, the next mechanic working with me in 67. And I went on for there, and that's very good. And then the and then we grew from year to year, and then I mean, by the time we moved to Reading, Pennsylvania, in 1973, we were already 12 people. Or so. And it's a lot more than that now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the company was about 12, 13. Sure. At, at that time, we had a couple of engineers, and mm -hmm. we had Kentville as a mid-team manager and, and uh, I mean I, I really was the first manager eh? right. I managed myself and the car <laughs> alright well Carl we certainly appreciate you taking time and uh, chatting with us and the fans in Milwaukee and uh, wish you all the best of uh, luck in your retirement you look fantastic how old are you now? I'm only 87 you, you look you're in fantastic shape <laughs> it's a number <laughs> <laughs> very good thank you Carl Okay. All right. Thank Appreciate you. It. Thank you. Thank you. There he is, Carl Kanehofer, down there at the Indy 500 with Steve Zotke. I'm I'm the mayor, Mitch Ross here.
getting you set for the start time tomorrow, 11 a.m. Indy 500. Again, Steve is down there talking to everybody, building relationships, if you will, and um, doing all the legwork for the show here this weekend. We'll hit a quick break here on the other side. We'll hear from Kevin Harvick, Sparky's boy, Kevin Harvick, ahead of the Coca-Cola 600 coming up this weekend. Uh, we'll hear what he has to say before they race. That's all next here on the Final Inspection Show brought to you by David Hobbs Honda in Glendale as well as the Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. More of the Final Inspection Show next. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Mitch Ross here. Steve Zaki is down at the Indy 500. That race kicks off tomorrow at 11 a.m. You want to check that out. Let's also check in with Kevin Harvick. He races, or he spoke to the media this week ahead of the Coca-Cola 600 down in Charlotte. Let's hear what he had to say. I don't believe so. You know, I don't, I don't think there was really um, anything similar about about the way that the cars were built uh the engine uh really really nothing i think you know a lot of that credit just goes to the 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 team and organization for the preparation that they that they put in to um you know decide on what they wanted to bring to the racetrack and but nothing not a spring shock car body uh engine transmission rear nothing nothing even is close to relating so you know really there's there's nothing that you can take from from last week to this week, other than other than just momentum, and just the positive, um, you know, things that happen. And 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 really, the, the I guess the the biggest thing that you take is confidence, just because the guys are are clicking on all cylinders with with um, you know from an engineering standpoint and from a from an aero standpoint and just pure um, knowledge of the of the things that they're doing and being able to adapt to uh, something totally different really shows the shows the the momentum and and the the confidence that they have in in what they're doing because there really wasn't a lot of time to really tweak and tune on on things last weekend so they're just they're doing a great job of of just preparation and and uh thinking things out you know while the, while the cars are in the shop and and that's that's really you know the the biggest difference of of uh, when when you're on and everything's hitting on all cylinders is is being able to uh detail things out when you get to the track and having most of the work done at the shop Kevin Deb Williams racing today in ESPNW. With all of the engineers today and the simulations that you have, how much input does a driver actually have into the setup and all now, or do the engineers just do it and say, this is what you need, drive it? Yeah, that's not really how it works. Um, you know, I think as I think as you, as you look at the process, you have to be a part of the process. You have to be a part of the equation. Um, you know, and, and part of that equation is, is being able to uh, take the time to sit in the meetings, uh, to have the conversations with your crew chief and engineers and, and making sure that what is said, what is felt, um, you know, the things that, that you need in the race car are actually the direction that they're going. You know, because so many times you see so many guys that, 
that, you know, have a conversation, don't have a conversation, go off of what they said in the race and, and don't really go recap everything as, as you go through the weekend or through the week as to what happened last weekend and have a firm understanding of, of where everybody's mind is going going forward. So um, it, the driver is a huge part of the equation. Uh, you, can, you can get in it and just drive, uh, and, you know, you're going to have – you're going to have just getting it and drive results, you know, so it's um, the, the, the good drivers are a part of the equation and it takes a lot of time and, and effort to be um, engaged and, and a lot of confidence in your in your crew chief and engineer and organization to be able to to listen to those opinions. And, and um, but somebody has to drive a direction and, you know, they aren't going to they can they can make more downforce with the car and things like that. But there's that's just a that's another piece of the equation. And. You know, we're we're a you know, we're a big piece of the equation if if uh, you know if that's the type of team and situation that you're in. So uh, we're we're fortunate that we live in that environment at Stuart Haas Racing, where the the owners believe in the in the crew chiefs and the crew chiefs believe in the engineers, and everybody believes that they're a part of the process. They aren't the process, and and so it, it takes it takes a lot. And um, you know, if you don't have one piece of that equation, you're not going to be as good as the guys that do. Mike Embry, USA Today. You said you weren't feeling well. Do you know what's wrong? Cold virus or something else? Or I just have a cold. We've been passing it around at, at home. Okay. S- speaking of that, the, the extra 100 miles here Sunday, do you have to pace yourself more with that? Do you have to sort of, in a way, baby the car to make sure you're going to be around at the end and no. be competitive? There, there's that's a that's a false perception of today's 600-mile <clears throat> race. It's 600 qualifying laps as fast as the, you know, 600 miles, 400 laps as fast as the car will go. Um, you know, if you don't do it that way, you're going to wind up a lap down. Um, you're going to make a mistake throughout the day that you're going to need a cushion to, to wind up and not a lap down because it's just such a long race. There's going to be something that, that you have to battle through at, at some particular point, whether it's a decision of, of using a set of tires or uh, missing pit road or having a bad pit stop, whatever the, whatever the scenario is, if, if if you aren't going hard every lap and you or you have something that, and your mindset is you're not going to go hard every lap, somebody's going to lap you, and you won't win this race. You're obviously on quite quite the roll. If if you were racing you now, how would you do it? How would you beat you? Mm. I'll tell you next year. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Jordan kicking the tires at net and Performance Racing Network over here to your left. Um, I know you're focused on this weekend, but looking ahead, can you talk about anything going into Pocono and your thoughts uh, on that track? Any difficulties that you see uh, out there? I hadn't really thought about Pocono much. Um, you know, there's just we're we're really one week at a time. You know, people. So, you know, I think as as we go to Pocono, we obviously want to win there. You know, especially since it's one of the two tracks that we haven't won at. So, you know, I know that. Um, Rodney and and you know the organization in itself put a lot of effort into 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 that particular weekend trying to trying to get to Victory Lane and and uh, take that take that race off the list. So it's a, it's a place that I enjoy going. Um, not so much the place that I enjoyed going. You know, my in my previous life before I came to uh, to Stuart Haas Racing, it was never a track that we ran very good at. But come to find out, when you, when you have the cars where they need to be and, and the people around you that, that um, you know, things are, things are much different. So Pocono has definitely been a, a place that I've learned to enjoy more than, 
more than I did in my in my previous life at at uh, RCR. There he is, Kevin Harvick, before the sh the Coca Cola 600 down in Charlotte here this weekend. That race is tomorrow as well, but the big one in the Indy 500 at 11 o'clock tomorrow. That's going to do it for the final inspection show. Brought to you by David Hobbs Honda in Glendale, as well as the Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Mitch Ross here navigating the ship today. Steve Zaki down there at Indy 500. Check the race out tomorrow and stay tuned to the fan for all the racing coverage you need. The Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin on Deck Show coming up next here on The Fan. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.